Podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. Will they be able to play high school football in Connecticut this year? That's the big question. As of now, the season has been canceled, but players, coaches, parents, and politicians are speaking out to ask for a chance to play. If you check out our YouTube feed, you'll hear from two players who have been leading the charge on this. On this episode, you'll hear from two coaches. First up, you'll hear from Coach Belkulis of Norwich Free Academy, and then from St. Joseph Coach Delavecchia. They'll explain the situation from a coaching perspective and why playing football is so important for these students. So, Coach, to start, uh, to start here, things have just been going back and forth here in terms of the high school football situation. Take us through what this process has been like for you as a coach. Uh, I think it's definitely, as probably referred to by other people, as a roller coaster of emotions and the up and down of if we're going to be playing, not playing. But, I mean, really, I think you got to go all the way back to when schools got shut down back in March. Because as football players and as football coaches, you know, we're year round. Um, and so I know for our program specifically, that Friday, we had just finished up our maxes. Um, and then that Monday, we were going to start our morning workout sessions um, because we have a lot of kids that get into spring sports. So we were making a transition in our off-season plan. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, school got shut down. And we didn't know how long. You know, we were kind of thinking two weeks. And it was kind of – Let's let's kind of guys, you know, stay active. We used um, Zoom and Google Meets to do virtual stuff with the guys. We sent them workouts. Um, and it was more just thinking, hey, we're going to be back in school before school year ends. Um, and then that obviously didn't happen. And then, you know, then it carried through the summer. And then it started getting closer to like, well, when are we going to be able to come back? Um, and then when, you know, the CIAC allowed us to, to start working out in July, um, it was a little bit more of normalcy and excitement to, all right, we're back. Um, and obviously these past few weeks have really ramped up that roller coaster, if you want to call it that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of the unknowns. It's a lot of just continuing to do what we got to do, but we're hoping and saying, you know, what, what's the answer, final answer going to be type thing. What, what's it been like in the conversations that you've been having with your players about how to stay ready, you know, kind of keep a positive mindset during all this? For, for us, it's just been, guys, we get we get today. Um, if, if we're allowed to be on that field today, if we're allowed to be wherever it is that we can continue to work, um, take advantage of it and, and let's work. Um, let's get better as individuals and let's get better as a program. Um, I, you know, I'm very, very fortunate and just seeing what's going on in the state of Connecticut with the other programs and the kids. Um, it, I mean, it's an amazing thing to see. These kids are, are fighting every day to continue to put in the work, you know, and, and that's a special thing for myself as a coach. And I'm sure every coach in the state can, can agree with that is these kids aren't taking this and saying, well, I'm going to throw up the white flag and just give up. Um, I've seen videos of kids filling up water jugs and lifting with that. I've seen kids finding dirt hills and sprinting up those. I mean, they're, they're finding ways to continue to get better. Um, and that's, that's impressive, but it's been the mindset of not giving up and just keep going. For, for the past uh, couple of weeks in particular here, we, we've seen some of the students really speak up and, and get their voices out there. What are your thoughts on, on the students who have been speaking up and, and trying to get their points across to, uh, you know, whomever it may be from CIAC to the politicians, the governor, um, you know, and those type of people? 
I think it's exactly what every single coach, you know, hopes to have in a player is, is someone who feels confident in themselves, um, who believes in something. And when they believe in something and again, doing it the right way, the appropriate way, what you're seeing um, is, is they have that voice. I mean, that's true leadership. I mean, that's why we coach. I mean, winning football games is great. But at the end of the day, as a high school football coach, our, our job is to develop successful people in life. And when you could take these kids and, and see them doing this now, and you don't have to wait five, 10 years from now to see them doing it. Um, it's, it's definitely a special thing. And I know for me, I'm proud of our guys, um, it, just the way they've been going about their business and not complaining, not coming to me and saying, coach, this isn't fair. Um, and obviously not quitting and they're continuing to keep fighting. And, and again, the, the kids that are out there putting their voices out there and being heard, um, I think, again, we got to respect that, appreciate that, um, because these are these are the futures of our world, you know, and, and it's just it's just impressive all around. From a coaching perspective of someone who's been around the game for a while, did, did you feel comfortable having your team go out there, you know, as with the standards that have been in place before uh, things kind of decided to get put on the back burner for now? I, you know, to be honest, I, I actually, when, when the first plan came out, um, what was that, end of July, and it was the phases, and we started in our cohorts of 10, and we were one-hour practice, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, and then it, it was a progression model. Um, I thought that was a really good plan, given everything, because, you know, for me, I'm thinking, hey, you know, when we do get back together, this is before we even had a chance to be with our kids, and we're in June. I'm thinking, hey, we got to do everything to get these kids' bodies ready to play the game. It's a very physical game. So to me, the schemes need to be put on the back burner. Whatever we want to do scheme-wise, if we have a playbook that's, whatever, 10 pages, we need to reduce that because that's not the priority. The priority is to get these kids' bodies ready. Um, And I thought that original plan that the CIC put out did a really good job of progressing the players through those first few weeks before we even had a chance to to do anything with scrimmages or, or games. So, you know, I felt that that was good. Um, even now still, I mean, you know, our guys have been getting after it. They've been working hard, you know, my coaching staff, you know, just like all the coaching staffs in the state. I mean, they're, they're getting out there and they're coaching the details. They're coaching the little things. They're putting the emphasis on making sure their bodies are safe. Um, and, and I, I truly feel that if, if they said, Hey, you know, we're going to play. We're going to allow you guys to play in two weeks that the kids would be ready um, physically and mentally. Good good to hear on, on that end. In terms of some of the possible solutions that get thrown out there, whether it's moving it to, to the spring, uh, maybe going to a seven-on-seven seven model, what are your thoughts on, on some of the alternatives that have been thrown out there and discussed? For me, my stance is that we we need to give – however the method is going to be, we need to give these kids 11-on-11 full-contact football during the school year. Now, I know the springtime, we, we don't we don't know what the numbers are going to look like. Um, I think my biggest thing has been that we just got to give the opportunity um, and, and allow the kids that chance to play 11-on-11. Um, the issue with 7-on-7 seven seven is, is it's, it's great for the summertime to give kids something to do. Um, and it, and that's historically when it's been played, but it's, it's really not the game of football. I had a conversation with one of my offensive linemen and when, when we found the news out on Friday and he was pretty upset about it. And, you know, I told him, I said, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll let you guys go out there and, and get into the seven on seven, you know, and just have fun because that's also the priority of all this is a lot of these kids a chance to just have fun given everything they've been through. Right. 
and and he hit it on the head and I had to think back to myself as a player. He said, coach, he goes, I don't, I don't want to go out there. He goes, I want to hit somebody. And, and when you sign up to play football, that's one of the biggest factors. You, you want to, you want to physically hit somebody. Um, and it's the same thing with the guy that you're hitting. They want to physically hit you. I, it's, it's a very rare thing to have a kid that says, I don't want to hit anybody coach because those kids don't play football, you know? So for me, the seven on seven, I think is, if the season was moved to the spring and we were going to legitimately push and have a spring season that would allow these guys to have 11 on 11, um, then if the seven on seven was something done in the fall, just to give them something, but not in replace of it, I, I wouldn't replace real football with that. Um, I think it, it has too big of an impact on, on guys that deserve that opportunity. I mean, our linemen, the big kids, right? The big kids that sometimes, they're the hardest ones to get out to come play football um, because it is a challenge for them because of their size. And now you just made them, you know, sit on the sideline. Um, you know, that, that, that's just my, my two cents on it. Have you been getting given any insight into the metrics or, or what they're looking to, to, to say that it's, it's safe to play? Cause I think looking now we're you know, somewhere in between a, Point eight to one percent range uh, in terms of the positivity. Have they given you as a coach a- any insight into what it would take to play a season? No, no. I mean, my athletic director has done a great job of keeping me in the loop, um, but that I don't think that's really been shared. At least I, I haven't seen anything or heard anything with respect to that. Which I think partly might be where some of the frustration with a lot of people, a lot of coaches and players, is because. You know, again, these kids have done everything that has been asked of them, um, wearing masks, social distancing. In a lot of cases, these kids have been the ones to maybe reduce some of the numbers that we're seeing in adolescence because, you know, they have something to lose. You know, back in the summertime, we told the team, like, guys, you know, we know that there's parties. We know that things are happening and people aren't following the social distancing guidelines and wearing masks, you know, but we got to we got to do our part and make sure that's not happening. You know, and if you think about a football player and their presence in a high school, you know, they do have a pretty big voice with their fellow students. Um, and, you know, they can't they can't stop every party or gathering or, you know, but but I mean, again, you know, they have something to lose. You know, maybe a student that doesn't play a sport, they don't have anything to lose. So they're going to go do that. Um, but they, they've literally done everything asked of them. You know, and I think that's what makes it so difficult for everybody to kind of handle right now uh, the why behind it. I'll get you out of here on, on this one, Coach. When it comes to football, I think some people look at this in terms of black and white and being, you know, either playing or not playing um, in terms of, of the health consequences in the spread of coronavirus. But outside of that, you know, there are the issues of, of mental health from not being able to play in, in some other aspects that have been brought up. What do you think it means for these kids outside of maybe the game itself to have the opportunity to play football? I think I think that that's the biggest part of all this. I mean, it's it's not about on the field. Um, it, it, it is literally when you think about the game of football, you have all the players involved, all the coaches involved, but the, the community aspect and you're taking two communities. Um, you know, our biggest rival is New London High School, and it's the oldest football rivalry in the entire country. Um, when our two schools play, that's a whole week and it's, you know, Thanksgiving week. That's a whole week where you got, it's going back and forth between the two cities, um, in a positive way. Um, but it's the excitement of the game. 
I think it's the chance for, you know, the, the grandparents, the aunts, uncles, the cousins, the neighbors, the teachers, the students in the school to all come together for a common thing. Um, and even if, you know, we can't have fans in the stands, they're still excited about it. They still want to see, well, what happened after the game? Um, there's that piece. But when you tie in the mental health piece, I think the biggest thing we need to look at as the adults involved with all this is what can we do as adults for all kids? Because it goes beyond just the football players. Because this is, you know, football season ends and, and we're not able to play this fall. It's not just football players impacted by it. Um, it's the entire student body. You know, because for some of those kids, it is an exciting thing to go to a football game and sit in those stands and wear your school colors and, and be proud of being a member of that school. And now that's another thing taken. And for so many people, because of COVID, we've lost things. You know, we've lost things and and with all due reason, because obviously this is not fake. This is real. Um, but the more that the, these kids keep losing things, the more negative they start to feel about life and the more negative they start to feel, the more depressed they become. You know, so I think us as leaders, it's on us as coaches, as teachers, as administrators, as anybody, any any adult who has a role in any of this is a chance for us just to, just to connect with these kids. Um, if the season goes on. We still need to do it. If the season doesn't go on, how can we help every kid? You know, you got an AP math kid, AP science kid. You know, how can we help that kid overcome some of the adversity they're facing with this? And it's, again, it's, it's branching well beyond the field itself. And, and for me, and I know all those coaches who are fighting for the season, it's not just because they want to see their guys score touchdowns and have tackles for a loss and, and, you know, interceptions and see their school name in the newspaper. It truly is. When you play the game of football, you understand the value of the community, of family. And I, and I truly feel that all these coaches and players who are putting their voices out there, it's because of that. They understand that this is a bigger, bigger piece um, to our lives right now and to everybody's life. So, you know, I think it just we, we got to come together more now than ever um, to be able to be there for these young kids, but also for us all in general as, as people in the state of Connecticut and the entire country. Absolutely. Coach, I uh, really appreciate the time and uh, best of luck to you and the uh, team as you guys figure out uh, and try to navigate these uh, crazy times. So appreciate you coming on and, and best of luck, Coach. I th- thank you for the opportunity. So, Coach, I guess the best place to start here is uh, to kind of to go with the obvious. And, and what has this process been like for you this year with so much back and forth going on around whether or not football would be played this fall uh well i mean it's been uh you know the roller coaster of emotions you know you're on you're off you're on you're off um we're gonna do this we're gonna do that you know the, it, it's been it's been tough uh trying to prepare trying to figure out you know what we're gonna do at practice if we can practice what what kind of practices we can run and, uh, you, you know, um, trying to relate that information to the kids on, on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been, uh, different to adjust to because at one point, you know, we're with groups of 10 and then we're playing for groups of 15 and then, we get shut down for a week and then they put us back in there, but they take away the groups of 15. So now we had to revert back to groups of 10 and what we were previously doing. So, uh, some, sometimes I didn't think I, you know, these past nine weeks didn't get anything accomplished. What has it been like, uh, you know, for the players and the conversations that you've had with your players, uh, 
about how they've been handling all of this? Well, I think, you know, not just my players, but I think players across the state have handled this. Um, I thought they've been great. Uh, I don't know how much better you can expect from them. Uh, they've done everything asked of them during the process. They've, they've uh, had rallies and protests and uh, the right way they did it. You know, they all came together as a group, uh, you know, individually with our kids talking to them and worrying, you know, they're worrying about uh, if they're going to play, why aren't they playing? Why aren't they being told the truth? Uh, you know, they, I get it all the time. They, they're like, why can't you do anything about it? And, you know, I explained to them the whole process is going on. They, they're appalled and couldn't understand why coaches and players don't have a say in any of this when they're the ones that are affected the most. So that, that's been frustrating. Yeah, take us through. You, I, I know you said you, you were at the rally uh, that happened at the state capitol. What was that experience like for you and, and to see your players take that level of activism and, and standing up and, and making sure their voices are heard? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, first of all, you know, there was their idea. They, they wanted to go. And uh, I think we had over 50 kids from our team alone. Uh, you know, certainly proud of them, certainly proud of all the kids that were there. And, and they took turns to speak up and say what they had to say. And then, uh, you know, they're very uh, well-spoken, very passionate about um, getting back on the football field. Um, I don't think anger came out. I think they were level-headed. Um, which is great to see, uh, you know, so I thought everything they did was, was right. And, uh, the shame about the whole thing, there was besides the 2000 people that were there to protest, there was nobody there to hear us. So it all went on social media and the news and, and I'm not sure anybody really listened to them. In terms of, of some of the alternatives that have been thrown out there, what are your thoughts on those? Whether it's you know moving the season to the spring, or in some cases making a more drastic move and doing a seven-on-seven seven season instead. Uh, I'm opposed to both personally. Um, I think seven-on-seven seven is something that we can do anywhere, anytime. We don't need to be told to do that by uh, any organization, and we do that you know summer seven on seven we host our own league you know we didn't do it this year obviously but and it's part of a practice plan that we do every day at practice you know we run a seven on seven drill um so to take that part and say this is going to be your politically correct word meaningful experience uh is bogus in my book you know it's just a complete waste of time because we, we can do that all the time and we do do it all the time so i don't think the kids see that as anything um you know, thanks very much. This is great, you know. And uh, the spring football, you know, unless you're going to say we're going to play eight games minimum in the spring and we're going to have playoffs and we're going to declare state champions and league champions and all that, uh, to play four or five scrimmages, I mean, that's that to me, that number one, it's a waste of time. Number two, you're taking away from the other sports, um, you know, you have a lot of football kids play lacrosse and a lot of them play baseball um, and a lot of them do run track. So most of the football kids are multi-sport athletes. And, and, you know, if you're a kid, you have a choice of playing on a, on a good baseball team or a good lacrosse team, you have a chance to win a championship. Or are you going to, are you going to sit there and play four exhibition games and, and then go play that sport? I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't even know if, you know, we're going to have winter season or spring season. I mean, that's the unknown. You know, what is known is that right now we can play where we should be able to play. Everything's good. 
As a coach, has anyone from CIAC or anyone communicated with you, you know, kind of what it would take to play, or it's still kind of up in the air of, you know, it's really up to the powers to be to determine whether or not there's a season? Uh, coaches uh, have not been involved in this process. We, we have, you know, like we have not been, you know, asked for any ideas or any input or what we thought or what our feelings were uh, whatsoever. Interesting to to hear that. And I'll, I'll get you out of here on this one. I, I think, um, you know, outside of the, the kids being able to play football and, and play the game itself, you know, you know, there are other benefits to playing the game and playing football outside of just, you know, you know, winning and losing. Can you talk about, you know, why it's so important for these uh, players to have the opportunity to be on the field, you know, outside of just the, the win-loss uh, and the competitiveness there? Well, it, it, I, you know, I say it all the time, football, the football field is the best educational classroom that you can find anywhere. Uh, you know, kids might not remember what happened uh, in their English class or their math class, but they don't remember what happened in the football field. They don't remember those practices. There's the way that that camaraderie affects kids. So, you know, you don't have to necessarily be the greatest athlete to be on a football team. Uh, so it has changed lives for uh, all types of kids, whether you're, you know, come from a great background with a lot of money or you're, you have, you have nothing growing up, uh, you know, it's changed lives. You know, we've had kids from all different backgrounds come, uh, we just graduated a kid from an inner city kid that, uh, you know, he's going to college and, and, uh, you know, football changed his life. It, it, it gave him an avenue to do something. I've had kids that never played a single bound for me that have come back and, and given to the program and, and uh, they've made bonds and then and they're accepted and they have friends for life that they may have never had if they, if they weren't on a football team. Um, so th- there's so many different things that, you know, outside of uh, the actual game that it does for you, it, it gives everybody a place to be, to belong. And, uh, you know, that's, that's missed. That's going to be missing from a lot of kids. Uh, you know, that sense of being on a team, there's that kid that might get in, you know, two plays on a kickoff team during the game. And, uh, you know, that might be his highlight of his career, but you, you know, the kids on a team accept him for that and make him feel part of the team, you know, you know, just as much as the kid who scored four touchdowns. I mean, it's different than any other sport because it's the only game where, you know, you rely on everybody else around you to do their job and then to be successful. You know, there's, there's not too many individual, uh, things that come out of it. So, uh, you know, from the number one guy to the last guy, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a life changer. Yeah, absolutely. Coach, I uh, really appreciate the time uh, and wish you and your team uh, the best of luck as uh, we get through these uh, challenging times. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Cutler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at CT Scoreboard Pod the host at Jared Kotler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.